1: yesterday and today. Episode 3, 1982. It beats sleep. In this third installment of this five-part series for 82, we will cover the month of May through August 31st.
2: Slide 2 of the album starts with ballroom dancing. I've written down
3: here, was that a social attribute in Liverpool in your early days? Can you waltz when you do the foxtrot? Well, you know, I was just from the generation where your mum always used to teach you the waltz. I I never got to the foxtrot. I was working on the quick step, but waltz was as far as I got, actually, because you you had to have one, uh, one dance, you know. And uh, George Harrison and I used to live near each other in Liverpool, and uh, we used to live in a place called Speak, where the airport is. Yeah, we used to uh, live there And uh, he and I used to go to a dance up the road Just at a school after hours The, the one dance I remember And it wasn't a ballroom or anything But it was home to us mm. at School, you were lucky We used to have a dance in a shoebox <laughs> But, um, uh, you know So George and I always used to go And pay our money to go in And look, at, search the whole place for girls all the evening Any likely looking girls Oh, there's honesty for you well, this is what this is what people go. This is what that's right. My kind of people go to ballrooms for, but um, we we'd always have our eye on one each kind of thing. But we'd never have the nerve. So uh, the only dance we ever used to do was the last waltz because we thought, well, if we come and don't do any dances, that's really pathetic. We've got to do it now. So we used to kind of nudge each other, okay, last waltz. You grab her, I'll grab her, and with you know, red faces, extremely embarrassed, we used to do it. the last waltz and then go home. And we never had time to talk to the girls, of course. there's only one waltz. We never had an awful lot of success, actually. But those kind of memories of ballroom dancing, I, it's a nice kind of warm thing for me. I mean, I like come dancing. But um, I love all that stuff. I love that people, you know, you see the young 16-year-old ballroom dancers, every bit as serious as the kind of mums and dads. I think it's a great escape. Face. I think it's a great escape, actually, for kind of ordinary people, mm. that kind of stuff, because they can dress up and all look gorgeous and learn stuff, keeps everybody... I think it's it's a nice thing. The song itself actually is sort of it's just me looking back at my youth, taking a couple of little sort of phrases and a l- couple of little dreams from then, and then tying it all up in the ballroom idea, you know, ballroom dancing.
2: the pound is sinking which is sort of Wall Street waltz or, or money matters and I wondered whether you've got the idea for this by perusing your own investments <laughs> in the financial pages
3: no it's really more to do with the fact that you know when you're looking through the papers you'll always see headlines you know every every day you know the kind of the pound moved quarter of an inch today it's a sort of very serious man you know, talking about to the mark has made a surprising move in the money market. You know, I, this picture of all these millions of people on telephones. Did it go up? Did it go down? You know, and this incredible jumping out of skyscrapers because of all these. Um, to me, I've never really been into all that. I'm not a big sort of stocks and shares man. Uh, just because just it all seems so crazy and so temporary and such a gamble to me. Uh, So that uh, it just—I think it's kind of funny, really, the way you see this no pound sinking. No, it isn't. Wait a minute, it's gone up against the dollar. It's now 2.00003, whatever it is, you know. So I just think it's funny the way everyone gets so serious about something that's always, obviously, going to keep altering. It's going to sink. It's going to float. It's going to float. It's going to sink forever. So this song just kind of is laughing at. that everyone gets so serious about. The pound is sinking, the ruble's rising, the dollar's moving, the mark is marching, and the yen is keeping up, which hardly seems surprising.
4: For the story.
2: Take you back to influences because I have a very strong feeling that Wonderlust has a hymn-like quality
3: about it. I could almost hear a church organ, except there isn't one. You know, Mm, I think it's the chords that are very churchy. So those sequence of chords that that it's based on Uh, are—I don't know why—but it's it's um, it's churchy. Um, we got hold of Philip Jones Ensemble who um, this uh, brass uh, consort who like uh, are really great and I knew one of the fellas I know the fellow who plays trombone I knew him from before and uh, so George and I were talking about using them and we managed to get hold of them and I think they've got a really lovely sound on that track you know? I really like just very rich so we put those ingredients together and uh the actual story is sort of what well, i'm based it's based on a true experience really where um we, we had to get off we were we was making London Town, actually the album London Town. i had an argument with the captain of the boat we were on or he had an argument with me it depends on who, whose side you're on and um we didn't really see eye to eye so i got off onto this other boat and it's it's like that this other boat was called wanderlust and was, there weren't any arguments aboard that so it's going kind to of, i felt very free guy and, and the title of the, the title of the boat the title of the song is all just about let's get out of here you know let's get a bit of freedom for a change um so to me that's sort of what's about you know getting a bit of release and heading out to sea instead of just uh, sitting around and getting hassled so um, that's what that one goes back to
2: classification i think that's the name of the album it really is we now find paul mccartney meeting carl perkins obviously somebody who
3: you've liked for quite a number of years 56 blue suede shoes goes back doesn't it yeah that's it well he was one of our idols carl so carl was always a big favorite and he turned up in london when we were recording in abbey road once with the beatles and he just had a little play with us and it was all there but i suddenly thought well we never recorded with him we didn't really take any advantage of that meeting and his manager had happened to get in touch with me about something else wanted me to do something I said oh why don't you ask Carl if he'd like to work with me and see if we can do something again on the the off chance that the feeling that well I'm going to enjoy it and really if the whole thing falls through the worst that will happen I've had a good time and then we'd have to rubbish the tapes or something so uh, Carl was coming out and so I wrote a song like the day before which was this one called get it he came out and I said how do you fancy this song you fancy doing it and we worked it up together and we did it and we He's a great guy. But at the end of it, he
2: dissolves into unbelievable
3: laughter. Yeah. Was that actually live when you did it? It was just a little joke we'd had going in the sessions. I actually, I just said it over the mic, and it got him howling, you know. So we took out my bit because it wasn't for public consumption, and left his bit in, left the, left the laugh. You gotta get it,
4: mmm. You gotta get it, don't forget, it doesn't come around again. You gotta get it. You gotta get it, you gotta get it good Once I had a little Spanish guitar My neighbors told me I could go pretty far Well, I came and I went And my guitar got bent But I discovered that the people who love What we need to do to really get up above it all And that's that Unless the world is flat Oh yeah! The life of a guy like an for sure Is automatic for the lady, do you? She came and she went
3: Without a single
4: dent You gotta get it Mm -hmm. You gotta get it, don't forget it Don't come around again You gotta get it Mm -hmm. You gotta get it (laughs) Get come again, you gotta get it. get
2: you gotta get We now come to the shortest track, uh, which features you
3: on guitar and vocoder. I think we need an explanation for the uninitiated at home. Still what a vocoder is. Mm. Most people have heard Herbie Hancock uh where he plays a, a synthesizer a keyboard and he has a little mic on headphones and he talks into that and it gives the kind of what 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 sound and you can actually play the notes I remember somebody was saying it's for people who can't sing but obviously that's not strictly true i mean you can do it whether you can sing or not it actually takes the the vowels and uh, the, the lip sounds like what 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 yet and all that stuff and you put the actual note in from the keyboard so you can get the, and then you can go well and make it say that sparky's magic piano so it words. is sparky's magic piano exactly my dear Holmes. we needed a link at that particular point just the flow of the album so i got me vocoder out of my guitar and made it up <laughs>
2: That leads us into Dress Me Up As A Robber, which is one of my favourites, I must say. It's been driving me to start raving bonkers since I started listening to the album. Because I found, when you sang the opening verse, it's very jazzy. If you listen closely to records and you try and learn them and put them in your mind, sometimes it's easy. The way you've done the notation on that, it isn't, and I still can't
3: do it properly because it seems to go all over the place. It's got a sort of jazz feel to it. It was supposed to be a sort of tropical Latin kind of number. Uh, Caribbean tropical nights kind of number.
2: Sound to dress me up as a robber. It's got a sort of Latin beat. And um, I suspect it brings us back almost full circle to Tug of War. There's
3: a perhaps a
2: marital relationship or just human relationships.
3: Well, as I was saying, you know, the thing with Tug of War as a theme is that you can apply it to anything. You can apply it to Wanderlust, uh, you know, the one boat, the other boat. You can apply it to um, human relationships, um, anything you like. For me, it was just a, a song I wrote when I was on holiday once, and it was a real nice sunny holiday. Um, I do a lot of writing when I'm on holiday. I feel very kind of free there, you know. It naturally makes me feel like writing a song. So uh, I wrote that one as as a kind of a very fast tropical kind of beat, and um, then we had Dave Maddox. Who came out to Montserrat? He's an English drummer, and um, Dave played on that, you know, and gave it this nice kind of feel. And the message is just basically, you can dress me up as anything you like, really, but I'll still be the same. you know Just moves a rubber sailor or a soldier, but I'll never go to war.
4: To the war. <laughs>
1: The album Tug of War. The LP soared up the charts and immediately went to number one in the US, UK, Sweden, Norway, Japan, Denmark, Germany, and Canadian markets. Paul's latest album, Tug of War, is already one of his most successful, quickly topping the charts in both America
3: and Britain. It marks a reunion with producer George Martin, his friend of many years. This is really George and I sitting down and thinking, okay, now we do want to make an album that, one, we're going to really enjoy making. We really don't want to go through too many moments where it's kind of, oh dear, this isn't what, you know, oh, you know, that one. We want to try and avoid a lot of that and try and, enjoy it because there isn't an awful lot of point otherwise um and then we wanted to make something that we both thought was good we both kind of really could sort of sit down and say okay well I'm proud of that you know I'm really glad we made that and plus we had a bit of fun making it so we we set out those things before we even looked at the songs or anything you know that was one of the first things we talked about you know let's do it this way
5: when we started saying okay well let's make an album uh, he said to me how do you want to handle it I said well if I ain't going to be the producer, I've got to have a veto on the material. And he raised an eyebrow at that. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, if I don't think the material is good enough, we don't record it. And there was a kind of double take then, you know. And uh, so he said, well, all right, what do you want me to do, audition for you? Sort of, you know, like a, like a joke. I said, no, obviously not. But, I, but, you know, let's let's go through the material and see what's, what's good and what's bad. Because material is what's going to be good about the record. Everything else we do to it, the trimmings... I can't do anything about the material because you're the guy who writes it. But at least I can tell you whether I think it's good or not. So the first thing he did was to hand me a tape of his rough demos that he did at home, just piano and, and voice, or maybe guitar and voice. And he'd let me have it for the weekend and on Monday I reported back to him. <laughs> and that was when I thought I blew it because <laughs> the first, my first reaction was, well, of these 14 songs, four are quite good. <laughs> and it was that kind of thing, and and it then went on from there. But I really was being I was being harsh with him. Perhaps I was being over harsh with him, because in fact, in the end, we used of the fourteen, we used ten of them. But a lot of them was a lot of rewriting done. But it was a honing thing, and I think that's terribly important. I think to get your material right is crucial before you go into the studio. I had I had a bunch of songs that I played to George,
3: Martin, and. Uh... At first, some of them were like I say, just one sentence and a few chords, and I was thinking, well, he'll see that, you know, and he'll kind of say to me, "Yes, great, you know, finish that one up and do this." But he he kind of said, "Oh, I don't like them." I say, "Oh, you will when they're finished, you know. Give me a chance. Give me." Unlike Paul's
1: prior solo albums, Tug of War is loosely built around a central concept.
3: It's uh, conflicts, you know. It's like opposites. um when we started to do the album, when I started to think, okay, we're going to do an album now, um, one thing I fancied would be to have a loose idea in my mind as to what it was going to be, rather than just saying, okay, we're getting in this boat and we're going to go sailing. Roughly some kind of destination. So I, uh, I just happened to get this idea around about that time that the, the, the phrase tug of war would be a good title sort of a good end thing to see at the end of it all, tug of war, you know, and then I made this album called tug of war, <laughs> you know, I would tell people five years from then, you know, or whatever. And um, so it looked like a good title, good end point. So then I thought, well, if that is the title, I mean, what does that mean to me? And to me that in its kind of abstract form means, uh, it's just as a theme, then it becomes yes, no. Uh, man-woman, black-white, which, incidentally, is sort of what life is. You know, the man and woman is marriage and, you know, the coming together of these opposites, North Pole, South Pole, magnetism. It's all very much to do with opposites, uh, the two sides of everything. If you think just of a man and a woman, a male and a female, animals kind of thing, you know, one is sort of the opposite of the other, you know, sort of all the features and sort of things, all the ways and all the things. It's kind of magic, you know, one's that side and the other's that side. And then they sort of get together in love and stuff and get to know each other. It's a kind of amazing thing, you know, these two opposite things getting together. I don't know, arguments in love, you know, I mean, those kind of ideas, the sort of tussle and the struggle of all that, I think everyone goes through. I mean, I don't think it's anything special to me or him or her or anybody. I think everyone goes through that. It's like this process. And so that idea just interested me... Um, but I'm definitely on the side of uh, <laughs> cooling it, you know, <laughs> keeping things really mellow and being, you know, not, not tugging and stuff. But uh, I think there is a way where it can just live in balance, these the yin-yang thing, you know. So I thought, well, you know, if I'm looking for some kind of theme, there's a theme that's going to apply to anything, anything that we put in it. I, I haven't really got a message. I'm really just saying, ooh, look, you know, Yin-yang.
1: As summer approaches in the UK, on May 5th, George Harrison, at Friar Park Studios, begins recording sessions for his next album. George assembled a band of musicians that consisted of Henry Spinetti on drums, English musician Brian Herbie Flowers on bass, who played on David Bowie's album Space Odyssey and Diamond Dogs, as well as Lou Reed's song Walk on the Wild Side, Michael Moran on keyboards, Mike worked on the soundtracks to Time Bandits and co-wrote the UK Eurovision Song Contest entry Rock Bottom with partner Lindsay DePaul, English session musician Ray Cooper on percussion and George Harrison on lead and rhythm guitar. sessions will continue throughout the summer. Over on Wood Lane in London on May 6th, with the song Ebony and Ivory number one in the UK, Paul and Linda McCartney appear unannounced on BBC TV's Top of the Pops.
4: Side by side on my piano, keyboard, oh Lord, why
3: this is a social statement? Uh, social, yeah. I, I suppose so, yes. The original thing was that I heard, I think it was Spike Milligan on a TV show, doing a chat show, and he did this analogy of a piano with black and white notes, and it's no good having all the black notes, it makes just one kind of noise, no good having just white notes, makes another kind of noise. When you combine the two, then it's great because you can get harmonies, you get all the possibilities Then Spike being a lover was a saying therefore it should apply to people. I thought that's a good idea and it just stayed in my mind. And then I eventually thought of the idea of using the two materials Ebony and Ivory that the piano notes are made out of. I thought well that's a good title. Sounds like a good title. So I started to write the song with the chorus Ebony and Ivory and then it just flowed, lived together in perfect harmony and then it went into a verse and it sort of just wrapped itself up and, and there it was kind of thing. And at the time I thought well, it's a sort of uh, social comment. But in truth, at the time, I really thought, we probably don't need these kind of social comments anymore. It's a bit old-fashioned to be talking about black and white people living together. We don't really need it. But the more the time has gone on since I wrote it, which is now about probably about a year and a half ago, mm. actually more, actually, about two years ago more that time's gone on, you see that there still is a lot of tension, you know, there still is every bit as much as there was, actually. And although people are doing a lot to break it down, like Martin Luther King and various people from time to time, I now think, yeah, it's every bit as valid. It still needs to be said that some people still need to think of the idea of living together instead of just this kind of, you know, well, I can't live with them, they can't live with me approach. And I think it works from both sides, too. I still think that the old thing is it's just a bit of skin, you know. It's, uh, it's just culture and skin and what you're used to and stuff. And You get a black guy brought up in England and he's, he's more British than the British. It shouldn't make any difference. It I still do believe when people do try it that uh, they find that there's something magic. The, th- the third possibility is more magic than either of the others.
6: Paul McCartney, ladies and gentlemen, on top of the pop. Yeah. Bates, Hello. I was trying to work out just a moment ago when they told me you were coming on, because you shouldn't really be here. You're on the way home. I know. How long is it since you've appeared on top of the pop? About eight years I think. Eight years ago, which means it must have been, what, Wings? And what was the number you did? It was Junior's Farm. Amazing. How are you?
2: I'm very well, thank you.
6: You look in the pink. What have you been doing? Why are you here? Uh, we're not on our way
3: home.
6: <laughs> 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 been recording? Yeah, I've been recording a lot there is someone special you want to say hello to? Yeah,
3: we'd like to say hello to Heather, who's just bust her leg. Go well soon, kid, OK?
6: Now, you've got an amazing situation. You've got a number one in this country. You've got the number one album. Next week, it'll be number one around the world. We extend our congratulations, obviously. How do you follow that? Not easily. <laughs> Paul McCartney, thank you very much for coming on Top of the Pops. Fantastic. Wonderful. First time in eight years. Come back next week and the week after that, and we'll go out and wish you good luck and good night from Top of the Pops. See you next week.
1: While leaving the BBC on Wood Lane, Paul reveals to a reporter a secret project that he had been working on while commuting from his home in Sussex to the studio in London.
4: When I was
3: making the album Tug of War, I I was driving, each day I was driving for four hours, two hours in, two hours back. And I needed something to do during that time other than just listen to the news on the radio all the time. So I decided to try and write in the car. So I just longhand, I just started off. It all started one morning when. And I just kept going, just kept pushing from then on. Started to have a couple of nice ideas that I was getting interested in. And it started to build, you know, soon there were 12 pages and soon there was 24 and, you know, in the end I had this script I was sort of looking through and thinking, well, this isn't bad. On May 24th, George and
1: Olivia fly from London's Heathrow Airport to the south of France to meet with Ringo and Barbara. Together, they all attend the screening of the MPL film The Cooler at the Cannes Film Festival. McCartney didn't attend the Cannes Film Festival, where the film with Ringo titled *The Cooler* was up for Best Short Subject. Paul was to be found at his brother Michael's wedding on Saturday, May 29th, in Liverpool. Peter Michael McCartney, also known as Mike McGear, married former dress designer Lena Horn at St Barnabas Church in Liverpool's Mostly Hill. Mike's brother Paul served as best man. At the service, the organist played the scaffold hit Lily in Pink to accompany Rowena up the aisle.
4: We'll drink a drink a drink to Lily the Pink, the Pink, the Pink the Saviour of the human race for she invented medicinal compound most efficacious in every case and Mr.
7: Fleas had sticky-out tea. It made him awful shy And so they gave him medicinal compound And now he's learning how to fly Brother Tony was known to be bony He would never eat his meal And so they gave him medicinal compound And now they move him round on wheels The pink, the pink, the pink, the savior of the human race was she invented? Medicinal
5: compound most efficacious in every case. Old Ebenezer thought he was Julius Caesar, and so they put him in a home where they gave him medicinal compound. I know he's a.
7: Listen to the compound. Compound. Now he joins in all the games
4: Medicinal compound. Sadly, Pickle Lily died. Up to. L-
5: Okay,
1: Reception followed at McCartney's home in Rembrandt Heswall, the World Merseyside.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, it's with great pleasure that I welcome you here today to the wedding of Marina Rembo. We're delighted to see so many members of the family and friends. Some who've travelled vast distances to be here really is
6: great. (laughs) I have only been a member of the Horn Clown for a few years but I know that they will welcome Mike as they welcome me with
5: love and affection. Uh, I need you Mike because you are not a male in a sea of female faces and if she had been my own daughter I couldn't be more proud of her than I am so ladies and gentlemen, will you raise your glasses with me, the toast, pride and groove.
4: and the toast! and to the they be happy for us. I'll drink to that. I think some of the authors say a few, to few, hey. few, words about the bridegroom. Bridesmaids. All of us now. Everybody, best of all round the room. We've died for this all afternoon. I'd like to raise a toast
3: here to the bridesmaids, who I think were very beautifully. I'd say that I think the wedding went off terrifically. The two of them. All the best. As long
2: as they live. The bride. the maker of this lovely dress from Marks and Spencer. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Lonely face. all I want's for us to make you. I simply love you. the love.
1: Meanwhile over at Ascot on May 31st at Ringo's Startling Studios, Starr continues recording tracks for a new LP he titles It Beats Sleep. Today the band record a track that Joe Walsh, Mo Foster, Kim Goody, and Ringo wrote.
3: I was in The
4: Rockin'
1: Calypso. It's June, and at the beginning of the month on newsstands across America comes the female adult magazine Playgirl. This month's issue of the magazine features a fully clothed Paul McCartney on the cover with a caption that reads, After a decade in John's shadow, Paul emerges with his most stunning album
4: yet. You look a little lonely Maybe I could meet you Tell me where to reach you And I'll give you a ring i take you to the pictures i miss the second feature Lord, I can't believe my eyes I must be dreaming little hungry maybe i could take ya tell me when to wake ya and i'll give you a rain i take you to the restaurant we're looking at the menu now i can't believe my eyes i must be dreaming Tell me where to reach you, and I'll give you a raise. I'll take you to the pictures, miss a second feature.
3: Loud, I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming.
4: Give me your number. Sleep.
1: On June 18th, Paul celebrates his 40th birthday. (laughs) McCartney also begins a week of filming with director John McKenzie. It's for a video to the song, Take It Away.
3: script yourself? Yeah, yeah. I ended up writing that myself. Well when I was talking to the director about it and talking about ideas, I just thought well ever since I've been making this track and listening to it, which I've probably done more than most people, I thought well maybe it'd be easier if I kind of just map out what I think of it and then if the director says to me wait a minute there's nothing like what I think or it's shocking or it's terrible and we we won't use it, but at least I would have got out of my mind what I think it is.
8: Director John McKenzie. So I listened to this tape, and uh, I could see, you know, it was going to be very, uh, uh, quite deep, and it would rip, and I thought, oh, there's a touch of... um, Pagliacci in there and it's a bit sort of like the artist who who has to just go on uh, uh, creating no matter what, no matter whether whether, whether he's taken over by sharks and and all that I was getting very deep in the whole thing and then he came along and he told me the story (laughs) and it's really what it is and which was lovely because I mean mine would have been a boring, pretentious piece of, you know, artistic rubbish. But uh, his was, what attracted me was, it was a little narrative. It was just like making a little feature film. And the narrative was of a, of a group who, you know, start their, their origins and trying to get the odd gig and then how they make it and meet the big impresario who promotes them and then they're into fame and fortune and maybe lost a little bit of their innocence. And um, and so Paul wrote out, yeah, he did, he wrote out a sort of scenario. I mean, I've changed it a bit, but not much, very little. Just... Um, More uh, interpretation rather than actual change. So it was very clear.
1: Filming concluded on the 23rd of June as Wings fan fun club members were being treated to a mock concert at Elstree Studios in Hertfordshire. On stage was Eric Stewart, Paul, Linda, Ringo, a Steve Gadd look-alike since Steve could not make it, and George Martin. It's been very enjoyable.
4: show with the paper
1: On July 3rd in America, Columbia Records released the single Take It Away by Paul McCartney, giving Paul a top 10 hit. Entering into the month of August at New York City's Madison Square Garden on the 5th, Elton John performs in concert this evening. He includes a song that he wrote as a tribute to John Lennon, titled "Empty Garden." Sean and an emotional Yoko Ono accompany Elton at the end of the song.
9: at, you, at the New York City, do you I found an empty garden among the flagstones there. must have been a gardener that cared a lot Weeded out the tears and grew a good cry And now it all looks strange It's funny how an insect Can damage so much grain on doors and in the cracks along the sidewalk nothing grows no more who left you? he must have been a gardener that cared who weeded out the tears and grew a good crop and we are so amazed we're crippled
4: We screw stronger Thank you.
1: As the single Take It Away reaches number 15 in the UK charts and number 10 in the American singles charts, Paul, Linda, and family fly off to the West Indies, spending the next several weeks on holiday. new single for Michael Jackson. Michael, we're not going to fight about this, okay?
4: Paul, I think I told you. I'm
5: a lover, not a fighter.
1: And so I was on that. George releases a new LP.
3: There's no, uh, what they call bullshit.
1: And Harry Nielsen releases a bullet.
3: This is called With the Bullet Take One. You rolling? And it's especially for the Meadowlands Hilton Beetlefest fan people. You know what I mean? 1982. Woo! for you it's for the Beetlefest people at the Hyatt regency in chicago 1982 it's for you
2: next on yesterday and today
0: Contact the show, visit yesterday and today or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search yesterday and today podcast on Facebook. See you next time. You can head to our social media pages. That's facebook.com slash yesterday and today podcast, or facebook.com slash third men. Or you could head to society 6com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's society the number six.com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family